Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Chris Schubert behind the producer, Mike, who has so nicely stepped in for Jake while he has been on the IR. Uh, was waiting for Jamie to make a joke. Uh, today, we are going through Jamie's second round of his 2021 Fantasy Football Mock Draft. That is right, people. We are the Draft Network. We are obviously ahead of everybody else. We are diving into the weeds and going off of exactly what we remember from this season while it is fresh in our minds and looking at it and going, okay, of what we know now, what would we do? Can't wait to revisit this when we get post-free agency and post-training camp and some of these things start to materialize. It'll be really fun to go back and kind of probably look at this and then what we think and then maybe meet in the middle, right? It almost feels like it'll be a good barometer for us to like not ride the hype train, which we all know Chris likes to drive the hype train. Yes, that is right. He likes to drive the hype train. So we're going to avoid that in fantasy football by being able to revisit this. So let's start off with the first pick here, Jamie. And I love this pick. I love this pick because we can react to exactly what we are seeing in the postseason. And that is Stefan Diggs with the Buffalo Bills. And yes, Minnesota Vikings fans who are still responding to my tweet. I stand by everything I said. Josh Allen, greater sign, Kirk Cousins, as far as fun and real football, even if you continue to tell me that Kirk Cousins is in the same category, you're wrong. And Jamie's face says Close. that. Exa- thank you. Thank you. I'm still getting responses. I'm still getting responses of angry Vikings fans you- thinking that I'm tainted because I'm a Bears fan. No, Kirk sucks. Those are the same people that I saw that report today of somebody like washes their pizza underwater or something okay. like that. Th- we those are people. Have, yes. I'm already sidebar us. We, we, we did not even get through the first pick, but we are talking about this because this podcast has two New Yorkers and a Chicagoan. Okay. And a, now a new Chicagoan who lives in Chicago, who's a former New Yorker. Now, now I've got this both is, best of both worlds. I've got, I've got to play both offense. sides here. I am reading this, Chris. I'm, I know you're trying to tell me that I cannot do this as the producer, but I'm doing this. I'm reading this tweet from BT Toronto, Breakfast Television Toronto. A woman took to Reddit to share that in order to cool down oven pizzas, her husband runs his slices underwater. The husband reportedly told her that doing this doesn't affect the taste. What are your thoughts on this pizza cooling method? Let me tell you my thoughts. He's an insane person. Divorce him. Those are my thoughts. So uh, two thoughts. One, if it doesn't affect the pizza, holy crap, Toronto, do better. And two, very good point. What? Like what? Like what? So also, if you want to cool down food, just 
leave it on the counter for a minute. No, the water apparently. Yeah. Okay. So this, I actually, this got thrown into a friend group discussion a couple days ago. Right. And I saw the original Reddit post and it goes even further guys. And I'll share this with you for afterwards. There is Snapchat video proof of the gentleman doing this because there were people that didn't believe the woman who posted this on Reddit. She showed proof. So this will be something that we can maybe we you'll post that what you can look at after the fact post show. This is the most ludicrous food related thing I have ever heard. Why? Like, why? It makes no sense. I don't even have words to describe the stupidity that this is. Mm -mm. Nope. I I just, here's the thing. I get it. I get upset about a lot of things that relate to pizza. Okay. Most importantly, you heathens that put pineapple on it because you are disgusting and i will never understand you and if you want to get the real answer go to italy and ask for pineapple on your pizza i dare you i absolutely dare you and tell me what the response is it will be fantastic and i assure you i will enjoy it but this is this is this is like you're there's weird strange toppings and then there's this like this is some psycho shit guys like this is some if you want to cool down your food and you can't wait the two minutes that it takes after it gets out of the oven to cool down on its own, you might have a problem. But think like about you what might you're doing be a little crust. sick in the head. You're but, destroying but just, the crust. The structural integrity of the pizza is gone now. Structural integrity, Chris. Look, wow. so uh, I, I have two, thing I have, you've ever said. It really is. Again, it's a low bar to clear, but still, there there are two things I think of when I when I think about this, Chris. And, and now that you mentioned the crust, I think I, we can pivot to that topic for a second here. Are there are? St- I want to know what you guys' are thoughts on crust and not just regular crust the crust at the very end of the pizza because apparently this is still a controversial topic for human being adults in the year 2021 do you eat the crust at the top of the pizza like the one that doesn't have any toppings doesn't have cheese on it it's it's the raised crust of course you eat that oh yeah right okay yeah there are a lot of people that don't and that throw it out i it's ridiculous i've seen it including the person i live with and it's just oh sweet alexis god bless her do not understand. Here's, that's the best part. Maybe, maybe that's a hot take. That's the best part. I will take that. Like that's like see, you get through you, the toppings, you, you get through all that, and the treat at the end. Okay, so here's the going. thing, though, Jamie, because that is when you are eating. That is that is the differentiating factor. If you want to throw away the Domino's crust of the pizza, that sure. tells me you're you're. But that's that's all I need to know. You are not a pizza snob like me because I'm not eating that pizza. If that pizza, if it's not crust worthy eating then it is not worth the pizza there are so many great pizza places all over the country that you don't need to eat Domino's, where you could throw out the pe- the crust because it tastes like cardboard I understand that premise eat some real pizza people and please for the love of god even Domino's is offended by the water okay I, that is offensive that's offensive and if you're making oven pizza at home i venture to say that pizza is pretty damn good okay pretty damn good and so look, something's weird going on. And before in, you get to your Toronto. point, Chris. Okay. Yeah, something's very Before you get to your point, Chris. And, and understand, like, I, I get kind of wanting to cool it down, but there's also, you have to understand, like, a, a cost of doing business. And the cost of doing business when you get pizza is you're going to burn the roof of your mouth and not be able to fully taste your food for the next 48 hours. And that's just the cost of what happens here. Like, you just have to power through and go, hush, 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 and just take to your next slice. Like, that's, that's what you got to do. Like that's just the cost of doing business of a freshly made pizza. And if you're not, if you're not willing to sacrifice, if you're not willing to do that, 
then go, you know what? Uh, order Chinese food. You know, go to Burger King. Go somewhere else. Mm. If you're not willing to take that risk for the good of your taste buds, you don't need to be in the, in the pizza game. I would like to yield back the remainder of my time. I do not have a point that can beat that. And I have new soundboard material, so I have to get to work. Stefan Diggs, the pick at the top of the second round, I yield. I, I needed... <laughs> like, I don't know how I'm going to incorporate that into a fantasy show, but you can bet that is going on the soundboard. Like, it's, it is somehow going to be used every show now. Oh, shit. That was so good. All right, uh-huh. Stefan Diggs. Fantasy football, yes, yes. Don't mess with pizza, man. Something's wrong with you. I just know that our listeners, you're such smart people, that I know that you enjoyed this conversation because you were equally as worked up about this terrible thing as we were. So, moving on. Stefan Diggs, the Buffalo Bills, greater sign, Kirk Cousins. I think you, there is a nice chemistry that has formed between Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs, and you see it. You're seeing it in the postseason. I hope we see it again this weekend and in their next postseason game. They got it together. And we knew mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs had even with Kirk Cousins, and he sure as hell has it with, with, with Josh Allen. So I love this pick here, Jamie, because I think there's a lot to – he has everything to be a wide receiver one. Everything. Absol- absolutely. Finishes the wide receiver three in overall points, points per game, led the NFL in receptions, targets, receiving yards – and I think he's going to be in that conversation again as long as he stays healthy. Now, with the previous pick here, which I'll remind everybody, was Tyree Kill. And this is one of the rare times where I don't love going wide receiver, wide receiver to open drafts anymore. But I think with going as RB heavy as we did in round one, if you didn't have that opportunity, go back and listen to our show or just check it out, draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab. Or even just Google 2021 fantasy football mock draft. It's at the very, very top there. Uh, and keep in mind, as a last plug before I finish this, is that every Tuesday I'm adding a round up until the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. So there'll be seven full rounds of this. Uh, I will obviously, you can already re- read round three now. Round four is going to include at least one rookie. So it's going to get really interesting trying to predict where rookies who don't even have teams could go yet. But for here, I go Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs, with the first pick here in the second round. And I, I just don't see any reason why he'll be slowing down. He'll continue to be a focal point at offense. And in PPR formats, you want the targets. You want that opportunity. And when you get to that like magical 160 mark, that, that, where he got to 166 this year, that is like DeAndre Hopkins territory. Like that is where we, are, we start to go with that sort of volume. It's so safe on a weekly basis because even if he doesn't score, like if he's going to get you seven for 86, that's, that'll get you by. Even from your wide receiver one spot, that'll get you perfectly. You get in great shape there. Uh, I don't see a reason why this would slow down. I don't see Josh Allen taking a step back. It's not like Stephon Diggs caught anybody by surprise. It's not like John Brown didn't miss significant time this year. I don't think this is one of the ones where defenses are going to be more focused on him next year. I don't think it's going to be any different. No. And the way they use him is just, it's been amazing. And that volume is what you're looking for. So to me, if I'm going to have to go wide receiver, wide receiver late in the draft at the turn here, uh, I'm more than happy to go Hill and Diggs and say, you know what? I will figure it out with my next two picks at running back. No, you knew what you were getting with Stephon Diggs. I think that argument is like there isn't – this isn't a rookie wide receiver that came on with Josh Allen. We knew what jo- we knew what Stephon Diggs was. Everybody in the league, all the corners in the league knew who Stephon Diggs was and knew the type of caliber player. So I think that argument absolutely goes out the window if there even was one. All right, the next pick we're going to talk about here, um, and this is the first time ever in this player being in the league – where I can assure you that I will not be drafting him 
uh, and I will surely not be drafting him in the first round. And that is Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott comes off the board here. There is a laundry list of running backs that go ahead of him. And as Jamie said, you can check them out, draftnetwork.com, the fantasy tab. You can see the mock draft in, in totality and go back and listen to the podcast where we break this down. But I know that that will, you know, surprise a lot of people, I think, in August because they will forget how they felt about him this time of the year. But if you watched him play football, if you watched Tony Pollard play football, if you watched this Dallas Cowboys team, there is something wrong with Zeke. He has a fumbling problem that developed out of absolutely nowhere, right? And this team under Mike McCarthy, I don't have a lot of faith in, Jamie. And they have the, the long-standing, you know, amazing offensive line is not coming back. They are never going to have the offensive line that they had the first two years in the league with Zeke. They're not. That, that, that is not coming back. And that is a big point here because we have never seen him without this top five version of the offensive line until now. And it was not pretty, Jamie. And the fumbling stuff, that was, it's an issue. Like it is a legitimate issue and it seems to be in his head and it came out of nowhere and it's something he's going to have to work on because all of a sudden he became the fumble ruski in the NFL and that's a problem. Yeah, it is. Uh, and he ends up coming in here at my, as my RB10. So that's kind of where I have him spotted as we go into the offseason and start that evaluation process. And I'm not sure where he's going to be. Uh, I see a lot of, you know, there's only a handful of early mocks that are out there right now. And almost all of them have him as a clear first rounder. And I, I'm not ready to do that yet. Now, the previous pick here was Travis Kelsey, which we took at the 11th pick of the first round. So I think at that point, you almost have to box yourself into getting a running back. And then you start to go with some of the other guys that are either going to be second year players or have their own issues that you're just not quite sure about. When I tried to figure out where to put Zeke, I looked at, you can't ignore the 11.2 fantasy points per game. He averaged after Dax injury. Like that's not going to get it done, but I also don't want to ignore the 22.3 points per game. He was averaging for five or I guess for four and most four and a half weeks with Dak. And knowing that Dak is likely in this scenario, I'm assuming he's coming back and is the starting quarterback for the Cowboys week one of next year. So what I tried to do for now, before I get deep into my analysis and my full breakdowns, which you'll see this offseason, was what if I weighed the two equally? If I said what we saw under Dak, what we saw without Dak, and we give them equal weight and put them together, what are we looking at range-wise for fantasy points? And it came out to about 16.7 fantasy points per game and in that range this is kind of where it put him it put him you know is in this clear other tier like not a first rounder but a second round type of player for me he's going to be a fascinating evaluation because his issues go beyond just not having Dak there like that's that is obviously a huge issue but it's not the biggest issue that he has and you would you eloquated that very nicely in just like the fumbling issues, the offensive line issues. They're going to get a little bit healthier, but some of those players aren't coming back. Like Travis Frederick, who was out this year, is retired. He's not coming back next year. You know, what do they address the offensive line? How much, you know, so there's a lot to be taken into account here for him. I just, you're, he's going to be an uncomfortable pick. I just feel like you're going to have to spend first round to get him, and I'm just not going to do it. And to me, I think if this plays out into June or July with another player we'll talk about later, with Saquon Barkley, 
there might be a tremendous amount of value in the mid to late first round if people are hell-bent on taking Zeke and Saquon in the top eight. If that's going to happen, there's going to be some really good values for you, which is typically kind of the dead zone when you're picking like nine or 10 in a 12 or 14 team draft. It always feels like you're settling and you might not have to settle if these players continue to get pushed up the board, but we'll see what the, we'll see what the overall fantasy community looks like, but the name value for these players is going to push them up. I couldn't, I can't touch them before round two. Yeah. I'm assuming in a lot of, in a lot of leagues with, you know, your friends that you're going to play in that aren't, you know, fantasy analysts or super dialed in or playing for, you know, large sums of money, those leagues, that's where those guys tend to go, right? Like that's going to be the ADP you're going to see on ESPN is going to be in the first round for Saquon and Zeke. And I'm going to go, please let me in your league like I do every year and let me take your money because that those are the scenarios that go off of, I remember the player, I'm, you know, average fan. And that's why we are here to tell you, the listener of the TDN Fantasy Podcast, to not do that because you will inevitably be able to pick somebody that you should have been picking earlier on um, at a much more valuable spot. So I envision that's going to happen with both of those guys, James, I, it, just because of name value. I mean, it's Saquon and Ezekiel Elliott. Like those guys not being in the first round is already causing chaos on Twitter for you. Like, I think that's yes. so like, it's like people, it, we haven't even seen that, that Saquon is healthy yet. And people are like, aggravated like the new york mob is already here to yell at one of their own i said reminder he's one of you take a chill pill new york okay just relax a little bit you've got plenty of photos to take of your new head coaches and stuff in jets land so why don't you focus on that and stop uh, harassing jamie all right next guy we're going to talk about here a wide receiver uh one that we know very well here in the desert that is deandre hopkins right and i think Overall, it was funny because today, as we're recording this Wednesday, I was listening to the local ESPN station this morning that was talking about DeAndre Hopkins, right? And they were talking about how, you know, with the new team and new offense, he hadn't had the same amount of time and practice and training camp that he would have had in a regular year. And obviously, he was in a new offense. He was with a new quarterback. There were all of these new things. And in spite of that, had an unbelievable year right and this offense still has a lot of hurdles to get past to get to a point where we're like fully bought in so all that being said he still had an amazing year he just had a little bit of touchdown regression right Jamie and that's where you're going okay maybe if he goes from what he end up I think it's six touchdowns right and he was at 9.2 I'm looking at your article here if he goes up to eight and has the same amount of puts up the same, you know, yards and everything that he had this year, you're sitting pretty. Right. And, and oh, I, yeah. I think you're really, I envision that he's going to at least put up what we saw this year. And I, I think he has a good chance to have a better year coming into this I, next year. If I did a big board now, and I caution with this article, mm-hmm. like outside of the first round, like I'm not, this is not a big board of fantasy. This is a mock draft. So I take into account the players that you have drafted along the way. Like he comes in as the 15th overall player, but I, he was probably, I mean, he would be a first round draft grade if I were to hand him. Yes. Because when you looked at what he did this year with uh, no offseason changing teams and a, I'll say it, a downgrade at quarterback, at least from passing. Not, we're not talking about fantasy. 150%. We're talking about a real life situation, a downgrade at quarterback. What do you think about when you think of a DeAndre Hopkins season? 160 targets, 
check, which by the way, I thought was in, I did not think that was possible in Arizona. I thought he was going to be 135. Like I forgot what I projected him, but it was under like 140, I believe. 160 targets. He got that. Well over 100 catches. He got that. 1,400 yards. He got that. Playing all 16 games. He did that. Like he did everything you expect from a DeAndre Hopkins season in a, in a worse scenario for him to be productive. I know it's a very small window, but a worse scenario for him to be productive. He was unbelievable again. He is such a safe pick. He comes in as my wide receiver four. Uh, I'm pairing him now with that first round pick, Austin Eckler. Uh, I think that's a great, uh, you will be thrilled if you get him here. And, and, and he's going to be a guy that is in contention for a first round pick. The only reason why he's not for me is because I do like to go RB heavy. Like this is a strategy based decision because if if you took him around the turn, or even if you want to take him over Diggs, like I think, I mean, in my mind, the Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, any order would suffice Mm -hmm. from two through four of those wide receivers. I think Adams is clearly at the top. I think there's a small break after Hopkins. Any order for those three based on your personal preference is fine with me. Uh, And the safest of the bunch is Hopkins. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. I think, the next pick that we're going to talk about is really interesting. And I'm going to bring up what the previous pick was so that you can, because I think what will be fun for us to do is when Jamie gets through all of these, we'll then do team by team and go look at, okay, let's all, let's all pick who our favorite team was. This one intrigues me already off the top as one of those teams I might look at and go, Oh, they get all those guys on that same team. Because the first pick in this team is Devonte Adams, which Both of us agree, clear-cut, wide receiver one, no questions asked. He comes back around, and you say razor-thin margin, but you go Antonio Gibson over the next pick, who's Josh Jacobs, which I agree on. I think Antonio Gibson, all of a sudden, who was such a joy this year, right? If you ended up, you got, man, did you get good value on on Antonio Gibson this year. I think all of a sudden, that team, because I can see Gibson messing around and having a ridiculous season. Right. Like I know he had a little injury and I, but I think that offense as a whole was never explosive, never a, a top offense. You know, it had its best moments with the five week stretch with Alex Smith. If you get a whole year of that, then all of a sudden this becomes really interesting. Right. And I think this team all I'm already, I'm already targeted in on, I think I'm going to love this team. So tell me why you chose Antonio Gibson over Josh Jacobs. To me, it's just the upside he presents. And I think his injury, that turf toe that he suffered on national television, really is going to kind of keep his value a little bit lower than I think it should be. Because people are going to remember you know, him missing a couple games. And he was fine, but not spectacular over the last couple games of the season. But I want you to keep in mind that from weeks 1 to 12, in average fantasy points per game, he was a top 10 running back. Mm-hmm. For a guy that had barely played the position in college, had no offseason to adjust on an offense that was prior to Alex Smith coming there was nothing special. I, I just, I was just, I'm thrilled to be wrong about him. And I guess that, that'll lead to a segue of, yes, we're still doing the roast of me. Hopefully Jake will be back. It's happening next Wednesday, regardless. Like it, it is yes. locked in stone, but this is one of the players that I was very happy to be wrong on. And I still think there's room to grow here. Now, they might bring back J.D. McKissick. They might have another option. Do they, do they draft a guy like Kenneth Gainwell and just get those Memphis teammates together? There, there are a few different things. But there is still so much to unlock with Gibson in the receiving game, which is what we mm-hmm. thought would be his primary role. They, they, they leaned on J.D. McKissick a lot, who was a prop favorite of mine. We talked about him on the show a ton. <laughs> 
We'll see if they do that again next year. But they didn't do that because Gibson was incapable. They, I'm wanting to see if they're going to like just take all of the training wheels off of Gibson next year and go, you, can, you have all the tools to be a true three-down back. We could still work in another back somewhere else. But his running ability was more advanced than I expected to be at this stage of his career. And I think he's got a ton of upside, and he already showed you he can give you top 10 running back production for more than two full months to begin his rookie season under these circumstances. I see no re- – and turf toe is not something you worry about lingering into next season. Like That's, that's not an injury that is, has long-term implications once they stop playing. So I have – He's my RB11. I think he's a clear RB1 this year. And I would be really – he was a guy that was ranked there a lot um, as we got to the middle portion of the season in my weekly rankings. He's someone to keep an eye on. I think he's going to have a tremendous sophomore year. Yeah, I am in total agreement with you. I think you could tell as I teased it for you to jump in on your analysis that I had him uh, rostered. And he was one of those guys that ended up helping me win a league because of the ability of – what happened this year with the running back position, right? And, and where you ended up and where I was able to get him. And uh, as Jamie so eloquently put, he will always admit when he uh, was wrong. And that was one of those players that wasn't as, uh, wasn't as high on that, we, you know, we were happy to be proven wrong because there were a lot of question marks about him and the position and where he was coming out of college and everything. And man, that offense, the fact that there was anybody that was a shining star this year with all the changes and everything, it's, uh, I'm excited to see what we get in his sophomore season. All right, next guy I teased it, Josh Jacobs. Um, this one's interesting to me from this perspective, and that is that I think the fantasy community has really wanted something to happen that I just do not think is going to happen, Jamie. And that is that Josh Jacobs is kind of, for me, always going to be in this area of the running back category, like the back half of like, where are we at running back like 11, 12 now, right? Uh, maybe even 13 for you. I think we, it's Zeke was what running back like 10. Yeah. So Jacobs um, is 12 right now for me. 12, right? So he's, that's about where I think he's going to be. Like, I think there there's safety there, but there's also not the upside that I think even, you know, the casual fan bought into a lot to do with the fact that he told you he was going to catch. I don't remember what ridiculous amount of catches he told us he was going to have. I forgot what it was. Something dumb. It wasn't close. Right. And this offense, I don't know, man, like I, the, the DUI stuff obviously is going to be its own thing um, that we're not going to talk about, but I don't love Gruden and this team in general. They've done the same thing two years in a row, right? They start off choked. well, and, and, they, and they just choke the back <laughs> hey, half of the season away. Choked it away. And I, I will get it's, on another it's just rant. Not, yeah, I, I just think this is where he's going to be. And I, I want everybody to remember this because I don't want you to ride the wave with thinking he can be – better than this I think this is just who he is and that's okay it's a solid running back it's just not a top five guy and this is kind of the peak of his ranking for me because when I look at the guys I'm going to have behind him and we'll discuss over this show and future shows as we continue to break down the smock and kind of get you thinking about next year and getting your prep ready I think he has a better like I don't see him barring an injury to somebody to one of the 11 running backs in front of him uh he's not going to jump anybody I could see him getting jumped uh by two to three guys uh, that I have below him, possibly. I, here's the issue I have with Josh Jacobs. Obviously, I, I know what the talent level is. I know what he was at Alabama. I know what he was coming out. I know what we all want him to be. 
And it took a big week 17 performance from him and really a big fourth quarter of week 17 performance from him to get up to RB 12 this year. He was the RB 15 last year in average points per game. The situation staying pretty constant, but again, you got to expect that his ceiling is 40 catches. He's probably going to be in that 30 to 35 range, but his ceiling is 40. And just don't buy into any offseason hype that says otherwise. Not only were they taking him out in certain pass-catching situations, they were taking him out for Devontae Booker at times to run the ball. Uh, so to me, I just – he is one of those guys that feels just very solid. He is in this kind of like Nick Chubb light of like he's not going to put up as many touchdowns, he's not going to put up as many yards, but he, you know, he's also not going to be a guy that gets a lot of pass-catch. Like – but he's going to get in the end zone. He's still going to be a focal point of the offense. Like, you like him. But to me, he's one of those guys that, you know, I'm pairing him here with Jonathan Taylor, uh, which, again, I think you, you would love that. You have the high upside, true RB1. And if you can play Josh Jacobs as an RB2, I think you're in phenomenal shape because you know he's going to finish there. Like, barring an injury, he's not finishing outside the top, like, 20 running backs. Like, I just can't see it happening if he stays healthy. But he's also – I can't see a path for him in the top five either. Like – so if you're able to go running back, running back, he's an awesome second option to have there, knowing you have a pretty high floor, but a pretty low ceiling relative with him. I just, I, I don't get, I wonder if the, the bloom will be off the rose a little bit with him, because at some point you have to show that elite fantasy value for people to continue to pay that sort of a price. And I think if you had him this year, the ups and downs were a lot more disturbing than those that are kind of looking back and just kind of seeing the season as a whole from a 20,000 foot view He's not a priority for me. Um, no. I just, he's not a priority. And honestly, if you wanted to go with any number of – I mean, because they're in the next four running backs behind him, you're going to have three second-year guys. I understand wanting to take that upside, knowing that, yeah, maybe their floor is lower, but they at least have the upside to finish as top eight running backs that I don't think Jacobs has. Okay. I, I Listen, you're not going to get any argument from me. I, I'm just apathetic towards him. That's the best way. Like, I'm just like – if he was there and he fell to me, I'd be okay with it, especially in this scenario where you went Jonathan Taylor and then you come back around and you've got Josh Jacobs as your two, right? Like I, that's, that's a really good scenario to fall into, um, as is this one, right? As is this next situation that goes running back, running back, and your previous pick at Aaron Jones comes back around and you go DeAndre Swift, right? And I think you're depending on what you depending on what happens in in Detroit. This is going to be one that we're going to look back on and go. There's a lot to evaluate here. Pretty much all their wide receivers are free agents. Okay, they have a quarterback that could potentially not be in Detroit. I still think if I lean one way or the other, Matthew Stafford is back in Detroit. But that's going to depend on who they bring in as a head coach and a GM and what the decision making is and what the trade partners are. And that is going to factor in in immense to how we value DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, right? And you liked Absolutely. what you saw from him. You liked, you, know, you liked what you saw as a rookie. The problem is this offensive line in Detroit has been a problem for, for what feels like a decade, right? And I, it has been a problem for Matthew Stafford, and that's why he's largely had injuries and major injuries. Um, and it's been a large problem for them as they have tried to establish a running game, which has also felt like a decade, right? But if Stafford stays, if they make some, if they sign some of these wide receivers or find some good receivers in the draft, this offense, I think this is where I feel comfortable having Swift, right? I think as it sits, this is where I feel comfortable having Swift. 
Yeah, and I'm assuming Stafford is back for this yes. exercise here. Look, the the Adrian Peterson release from Washington to sign with Detroit, like right before the start of the season, really just messed up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what Patricia and company were doing. Even Adrian Peterson didn't know what Patricia and company were doing. He came out and flat out said midseason that like, yeah, DeAndre Swift should have been the featured guy way sooner than this. I've been telling them. Uh, so, and, and when they gave him that opportunity, he was successful. Even when Stafford mm-hmm. was banged up and missing some time from weeks nine to 17, Swift ranked as the RB nine, averaging 16.8 fantasy points per game. And by the way, he was only on the field for 70% of the offensive snaps once in that stretch, one time they're going to have to feature him more. I imagine the next coaching staff will be very eager to feature him a lot more. I think he's got top eight running back upside. He's coming in for me at running back 13, but I think depending on what this team looks like, what the coaching staff looks like, Stafford status, draft status, et cetera, he's got a ton of upside. And I think if you didn't have Swift in the back half of the year on your personal team, he might've flown under the radar for you. He was a tremendous asset once they leaned on him more. There's a lot of room for growth. Like there, there is a clear path to him being an RB1 next season. Yeah, there is. And I think as long as Stafford stays there, right? If anything yes. else, if any other scenario plays out, I think you're looking at, you have to assume there's a downgrade in that offense in, in, because there's no rookie short of Trevor Lawrence, which is absolutely not happening, um, that you can guarantee to me is going to put you in that position. And there's definitely nobody in the free agent market that they're going to move on from Matthew Stafford for. There's just not. So um, I still think I'd say, 75 to 80% Stafford's there, like maybe even 90% Stafford's there. Um, he's still so young. Like people put him in the, he feels like he's as old as Aaron Rodgers, but he's not like, he's not that he's not as old as Rodgers. He's definitely not as old as, as Drew Brees. And, and it, we kind of lump these guys that we've seen together and they're, they're all so different and they're all, and I understand he's had a lot of injuries, but maybe Detroit will hire a competent coaching staff, you know, and maybe build on something eventually we'll see you know i'm i'm still waiting for detroit to make smart decisions all right next one we're going to talk about here you want wide receiver that is aj brown tennessee titans uh brown caught a touchdown in 10 of the 14 games he played in is that a real stat jamie that is so stupid that is a dumb stat like it's stupid in the best way possible yes chris is that good i'm I'm just asking for a friend is it good it is and i guess that should be 11 of 15 after that beautiful yeah. catch over Marlon Humphrey in the, in the other game. That is the difference maker for me because I think you're, you're, we now hit this second tier of wide receivers. you got Adams, you got Hill, you have Diggs, Hopkins all off the board, superstars, build your team around them. Now you kind of have this next group of players, and there are a lot of really good ones here. And I think there's four or five that are in consideration at this spot. I went with AJ Green, or excuse me, AJ Brown because of the touchdowns. And I, because I think that floor, that 10 of 14 or 11 of 15, if you include the playoff game, you're not going to have a bad week if your receiver scores a touchdown. Now, I know Mike Evans had that weird, like, one for one in a touchdown game or one for two in a touchdown game in week one of this year. But for the most part, you're not going to have a bad receiving game if you get a touchdown. And just that floor is so high to me. You know, he's the guy that finishes the wide receiver six this year. And since Ryan Tannehill took over as a starting quarterback, he has 17 receiving and 19 total touchdowns in 24 career regular season games. 
19 touchdowns, 24 regular season games, or 20 touch total touchdowns in 26 games if you want to include the postseason. Like, we, I know Corey we don't Davis talk about, a free agent, Jamie? And Isn't he Corey is. Davis a Corey free Davis agent. is a free agent. So I don't think too. he's coming back to Tennessee. So it just, to me, I, I, I know we don't really talk about touchdowns a lot with receivers, and touchdowns can be fluky, but the way that they use A.J. Brown and have used him his entire career, he has this high touchdown upside. And I'm willing to say that this, this isn't fluky. Like he's going to be a player that is going to catch touchdowns at a similar rate as long as he's healthy and as long as Ryan Tannehill's operating the offense. I like that floor that that gives me. And that's why I gave him this slight nod here as my wide receiver five, uh, and pairing him with Nick Chubb, who I took in the first round. Who's, again, a more Nick- high floor running back. I'm going to go with yes. a higher upside. So I'm going to go with like floor, floor guys here, guys that score a bunch that I'm going to say most weeks I'm going to get one to two touchdowns minimum out of my first two round picks almost every single week. Love this next pick. Love this. Go ahead, Chris. You got something on this pick I, I, before I, I move wanted on? to add to Jamie's point real quick. Cause I looked this up cause I was curious. AJ Brown's second on the team last year in red zone targets. So when you're down there in the red zone, when there are touchdowns to be grabbed, he's getting the ball thrown his way. So that's the other thing too, Jamie is when you worry about touchdowns is, yes. is he getting looks in the red zone? The answer is yes. Always. And by the way, Corey Davis and Jonu Smith are free agents. Okay. So like, Jonu yeah. Smith first on that list, Corey Davis uh, third with 13. That's 32, 32 targets that have to go somewhere that they had last year. Like those targets got to go somewhere. Yeah. And look, they might resign both those guys. They might resign one. I think they probably end up resigning they, one of those two guys. But... I think they probably re- resigned Jonu Smith just based yeah. off of the, the, what I know from the coaching staff. Now that depends on if Arthur Smith takes a, uh, head coaching job somewhere else as well, right? Sure. Like these are all, those are all factors um, in this scenario. But if you need to understand why they're throwing the ball to AJ Brown in the red zone, just look at a picture of him. And then you won't question whether or not he's getting the ball in the red zone because just who is first going to the put, playoff game? I mean, who's stopping that dude? How, I, I, legitimately. Like, How do you cover I, him? I, I, I want to know. The, the, there are better receivers in the NFL. There are, there are sure. a few guys that are just better overall receivers. But how many players in the NFL make that catch that he did in the first quarter against Baltimore on wildcard weekend? He, sure, did he have offensive pass interference? Absolutely, he freaking did. But that's not the point. They yes. didn't call. Who cares? And those are two physical guys. Uh, there are three guys in the NFL that make that catch. And he's one of them. Yeah. Like that, that, that skill set gives him such a high floor. He's got trust with his quarterback. And I know there's, a, there's some worry if Arthur Smith goes away. But there, to me, when you have that sort of talent, when you're the clear wide receiver one and might be even more clear top passing catching option, depending on how they handle free agency this year, I don't know how you don't love it. Yeah, we also know, obviously, Tannehill's not going anywhere, and that's a veteran quarterback with, with somebody he has chemistry with. So I think that negates the Arthur Smith, um, who, you know, might get a head coaching job, might not, but I, I understand the apprehension there. All right, the next pick, I love, I teased it. I love Keenan Allen. I love your opening line. Allen is no longer underrated because everyone says he's underrated. I was able to get him in leagues a lot this year, right? Where he was very much in the underrated category. A lot to do with the fact people thought Tyrod Taylor would be starting a lot more of those games. Yeah. Insert Justin Herbert. Thank you very much. Give me 16 games of those two dudes playing together. Yes, please. Because man, oh man, did they show you that they had a connection right off the top. And oh, by the way, if you haven't watched the tape, Justin Herbert can sling the football around. Okay. So if you're a, if oh, you're, good? if you're, yeah, if you're a wide receiver that likes to, you know, run very fast, 
and catch touchdown passes, um, it's a good time to have Justin Herbert as your quarterback because that dude will take a hit in the pocket and still make it 60 yards downfield to throw a ball to Keenan Allen, of which we saw multiple times. So I'm all in on this, especially knowing that that offense only has the capability to bring in somebody who is not going to hold them back any longer, okay? Anthony Lynn, I love you. You're a nice man. You're a kind man. I think you would be a great assistant. I'm very excited for this team to have a different head coach. I am very excited, especially offensively, depending on who they go with, and that will only make me drive. I will drive the freaking hype train for Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. I can assure you of that. I will, that's right, Chris. I will be driving the train for both of those guys. So break it down, Jamie, Keenan Allen, uh, here. Why are you going with him? Well, especially if Brian Dayball's there, too. Uh, yes, please. Being the, the choice there. Uh, just remarkable consistency and volume. He averaged 10 and a half targets per game last year, finishes the wide receiver seven. And now he's on a good little run of these last four years with different quarterbacks with, with Rivers and then really mostly Herbert. He didn't get much time with Tyrod. But, you know, wide receiver three, wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12, wide receiver seven. You know he's going to be productive. You know he's going to be, you know. I know he had some injuries late this year, but like most of his injury issues are multiple, multiple years in the past from him. He's proven to be pretty durable over these last few seasons. I'm with you. I think with the new coaching staff, another year of progression from Justin Herbert, even if it's not, you know, I caution this on, on the hockey podcast I used to do nonlinear progression. Not every player just gets mm -hmm. one step better every single year, but I don't imagine there's going to be a major drop off. He's the clear top option there. He's going to get plenty of work. Uh, to me, I, I look at him and he's in this range. I, I, you could talk me into taking him at wide receiver five. Like I think he is from like five to eight, maybe even nine. There are just a bunch of these guys that are like kind of pick your poison. Uh, in this case, I'm pairing him with James Robinson from the first round. I just think the upside that Allen has shown, I can't fathom a way barring major injury that he's not a wide receiver one. Like, you know, when yeah. you, you, you book him in there, like he might be the wide receiver three by the end of the year. He might be the wide receiver eight, but you know, you're going to get somebody in wide receiver one territory, uh, just a tremendous player. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the Chargers offense looks like next year. Uh, Cause this mm -hmm. is a team that has a lot of talent again, but left a lot on the table. And at some point, if they put it all together ever on both sides of the ball, they're going to be very dangerous. They just can never seem to be able to do it. Hire Brian Dable, fix your problems. Thank you so much, Chargers. Uh, fix your water, because apparently you guys drink water that gets all of you injured year after year after year. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, you guys are all doing something that creates a, the worst injury bug in the history of the NFL. Never seen it. Get a doctor to study your hands. Also that. But um, all right, next guy we're going to talk about, DK Metcalf. Really excited to see him in this position. Really excited for the roast. Uh, and the inevitable conversation yeah. we will have about DK. That will be very fun. Uh, Jamie, let's talk about DK here at this spot. Um, who had a, in a little bit of a, he was a little frazzled is the word I would use in that playoff game. Um, listen, they moved on from Schottenheimer. That has happened since we last spoke on our podcast. Uh, do not think that Schottenheimer is the problem. Right, I do not think that that is the issue here for this team. They gave John Schneider a, a, a you know a, another extension, so congrats on that because he's really proved a whole lot over the last few years. So break this down, Jamie Alvin Kamara, your first your first your first pick here with this team. Come back around and get DK Metcalf. Really like that. So this is one of those ones where I need to be fair and I need to put players in at least a reasonable position. I probably will not have DK Metcalf on any of my fantasy teams next year. Uh, he's going to go higher than this. I've literally seen him a lot at wide receiver three. Uh, 
I don't feel comfortable with him that high because of the way what we saw in the second half of the year, Uh, you know, from weeks 10 to 16, Metcalf was the wide receiver 26, like with an average of 14.1. It got worse. If you want to include week 17, he drops down to wide receiver 36 in average points in that time frame. Like the first half, second half splits for not only this, not only him, but Seattle's offense as a whole and Russell Wilson, they're concerning. And this is one of the ones where I'm not, ready to fully buy back in on what we saw in like, look, the talent's amazing. Like nobody's questioning DK Metcalf's talent, but I don't know if I'm really to like, which is the real production is what we saw in the first half of the year is what we saw in the second half of the year. Will, if they're going to recommit to running the football more, does, how does that affect his upside? They said they are. They said they are. Jamie P. Carroll said in his, po- in his, yeah. in his press conference, just, we're going to run the ball more. Uh, okay, just screeching halt all of the moon ball conversation and all of the let Russ cook conversation. Yikes. Like, yikes. No thanks. And, and, I, I, I think you are exactly you – you have DK where he should be. He's not going to be there. No. You know that. And if you – know, do they bring in Tony Elliott? And if so, I think that's a bigger boost for Lockett than it is for DK. DK's not a quick game receiver. That's not, I mean, he could be, but that's not what you, that's not what his skill set's for. Like, I just, I I, I don't know. I I don't, I just, I have a lot of reservations because I know he was so freaking good in the first half of the year. And I know it's hard to get that image out of your mind, but he actively hurt your fantasy teams on several occasions in the back half of the year. And when it really mattered late in the season, it scares me. That's me. I'm raising my hand because I'm telling you when it came down to it, do not let the first half of the year cloud the back half of the year because when it mattered most, this offense and its pieces really hurt you. I had Chris Carson and DK Metcalf on the same team in the back half. It was rough, okay? And when you take it all out and you look at the season as a whole, you're fine. But it's a do, do not buy into what you saw in a few games. I'm not saying I love DK. I love DK. The Draft Network loves DK, okay? This is on brand for Always us. Have. This is our brand. We're just trying to tell you, do not drive. This is the player I do not want to drive the hype train on, okay? Because I know he's going to be too high. So whatever the anti-hype train is, Chris, we need a sounder for that, okay? That's that's for, for the next show. Maybe it's right, Calvin's pizza noise that he made earlier. Oh, yeah, that's I love that. Use that for. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. All right, next guy we're going to talk about here, Calvin Ridley. Break it down, Jamie. Look, Ridley was phenomenal this year, and we got to see him in an even bigger featured role because Julio Jones missed a lot of time. I believe he ended up missing seven games. Uh, but it's interesting because he obviously there were splits that we need to discuss here, but it's not like he was ever not really freaking good. Like when Julio Jones was out, he was averaging more than 20 points per game, like monster. But even when Julio Jones was active, he was still averaging 17.58 fantasy points per game. Like he was still really good. I'm expecting Julio Jones to bounce back, be back next year, and play more than the nine games that he did this year. But I still you think you have to factor in a few missed games for Julio here and there, which is going to only be a benefit to Ridley. And he has shown in a, in a multitude of different situations that he can be effective with Julio on the field, without Julio on the field. There's going to be a new coaching staff there. Like it's, Matt, Matt Ryan's probably going to be back. I know we, there's some cap implications that go into that, but we'll see where it ends up being. I, they're still going to throw the ball a ton. They don't have a running back on the roster that they trust. I want to see what coaching staff they bring in. Maybe they'll draft a running back, but Ridley's still going to be a key component of this Falcons offense next year. And even if you get that 17.58 number all year, you'll be pretty happy. 
Well, and, and Jamie, I was going to ask you this because you have him in the second round right now. If they move on from Matt Ryan, which is a legitimate possibility, what does that do to Calvin Ridley's stock? Does he kind of stay in the same range that you have him in now, or does he drop a little bit? He, he would drop, and it depends on who they bring in. Like, I, they're in a weird spot where uh, if they're bringing a Trey Lance, he's not starting week one. Like, I just I – don't, I don't think he's got that you, – you can't just throw him in there week one on a bad team when you've played in FCS your whole – like, just that's no. a disaster. If they draft Trey, if they draft Trey so, Lance and they get rid of Matt Ryan, like, the goal is to, is to not do that. Like, the goal yes. is, to, is to keep Matt Ryan and get a guy like a Trey Lance and let him sit. Like, that would be the, the smart thing to do. Now, that's to be determined on whether or not they do that. Or to have a bridge guy like a Ryan Fitzpatrick play the first half of the yes. year and then turn it over to Trey Lance. I get, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. I still think even, Matt Ryan's there, man. I, I don't think they're. I do too. I don't think they're going to get rid of that contract. I don't think they're going to be able to, to trade him and move on. I think it's m- more likely that Stafford moves than Matt Ryan does. Yeah. I think you, you, so could, a, you could get more. You can, you can make that trade and get a team to actually buy into, like, you got a significant amount of time left with Matthew Stafford, and, and you, you know you've never seen him in a great offense. Like he was great even without great offenses, right? Like he, without Megatron, that's the exception to that time. Yeah. That was like the only time frame where he actually had legitimate weapons offensively. But it goes back to your point. Lions history feels 80,000 years longer than it actually is. Yes. Like, like Calvin Johnson playing, Matt Ryan's being drafted right after that 0-16 season. That feels like infinitely long ago than it actually was for whatever reason. But, that's what I said. But it I, feels like Matthew Stafford's been there for 20 years and then it's not accurate. <laughs> But to Chris's point here, like it would depend because I, I think if you move on from Matt Stafford, this, that's going to mean the cap comes in very low. That's going to come in close to that 176 number because that would be the only reason why you would move from him is because you have to do it to be able to feel the cap compliant roster. Um, then they're not going to be, they're going to be bringing somebody in for the veteran minimum to go with a young QB. I, I just, it depends on who that is. I don't, I don't think it's going to be very helpful. So uh, he would fall out if Matt Ryan's not there. I just don't think that's very likely. I think that is a, break glass so we can actually feel the team and not have to forfeit 16 games in case of emergency option of moving Matt Ryan. All right, guys. Uh, we've reached the point at which you, the last two picks, and Saquon Barkley has made the list. I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to let Jamie defend himself. So go ahead, Jamie. Okay, so actually, so this team has, which would have seemed unfathomable a few months ago, uh, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley on it. That's fun. Uh, look, he, here's where I base this because I have to put Saquon Barkley somewhere, and I know I, I know where he's going to go. I, I understand this. You don't have to tell me that Saquon Barkley is going to go in the first round. I'm well aware. I'm well aware he's probably going to go in the top five. Hey, hey Jamie, I'm just I not going to be Saquon Barkley is going to go in the first round. Uh, in they, the they, next thanks, year. Chris. No problem. Thanks. Helpful as usual, Chris. Yeah, so uh, helpful, Chris. But I, but I want to bring up this thing. This is, Fantasy Labs back in 2015 did some research on this, and they and here's something that they found, which I think is speaks to the point and it quantifies the point that Paige, I, and Jake have made on the show about Saquon Barkley in the past. Since 1999, running backs coming off of ACL surgery have produced right around two-thirds of the fantasy points on a per-game basis as compared to their pre-ACL selves. In the first year back, two-thirds. I, so I went back and I looked at where I had Saquon Barkley projected this year at the beginning, and I said, okay, well, what does two-thirds of that equal? And that puts you in the 14 to 15 fantasy points per game range. So if we want to take that at face value, this is kind of where I have him. He comes in at RB14 for me. I know that's not where he'll be. I know that if, if you agree with me, 
you'll never get him like I will. Like I, I will own zero shares of Saquon Barkley next year. I'm aware of that and I'm at peace with it. And by the way, you should be too. But this is kind of where I'm putting this. Like I, it's too risky for me. Like here's the thing. Saquon Barkley at full capacity. Let's say every player, like let's say we turn Madden injuries off for the NFL this year. Ooh, I like this game. This is capacity. Fun. Saquon Barkley is what? RB2? RB3? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you t- turn injuries off, McCaffrey's one. Yep. Now you, you're dealing with Saquon and Dalvin Cook, I think. Okay. Okay. And, and Kamara would have been in that conversation if I thought Drew Brees would be there next year. I don't think he is. And, I, and we went over on the show why I have some concerns and why he's not a top three running back for me just because of that, as much as I love Kamara. So mm-hmm. let's just say, so at full price, Saquon Barkley's RB3, okay? Let's say RB2, okay? Full price, he's RB2. Coming off ACL injury, you want to put him at RB5? Where's the upside? No. You're paying 95% of the price for a player coming off of major surgery with an extensive Jamie, that's history. that's so logical, Jamie. That's so logical. Look, we don't want to be logical. We want to drive the hype train, right, Chris? Oh, you want to drive the hype. Chris wants to drive the hype train. If Jamie he ends and up I, as however, want to live back. in reality. We yeah, want to live like, in reality. Look, he's a tremendous talent. I'm not knocking his talent at all, but it's too risky for me. Look, does he, if he ends up as a top five back, you know what? I'll throw my hands up. Chris will roast me uh, this time in 2022. And tell, tell me how big of an idiot I was. It's not worth the risk for me. If now I will, I will put this caveat out there. If you want to take him earlier in the second round, if you want to go bold, I'm fine with that. If you want to take him earlier in this round over some of the guys that we've talked about and just say, you know what? Screw it. I think I'm going to take the risk. I can live with that. I can't live with that in the first round. And I certainly cannot live with that in the top five or six. Nope. Totally agree, James. I didn't have anything. I was just like, I'm just going to give this floor. The floor is yours, Jamie. And oh, by the way, his previous pick, Christian McCaffrey, if it does pan out positively and you go Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, good night, everybody else. Just good night to the rest of the football team. If everybody stays healthy. Yes. If those guys stay healthy. Or as productive. Or, oh, sweet Lord, that could turn out to be some really exciting. It's going to be really hard for me to not buy all the way into that team. All right. Justin Jefferson rounding out the end of this mock draft. What else is there to say here, guys? Uh, Justin Jefferson is a star. Um, He did everything and more that you could ever anticipate from a rookie. Um, I think you assume, obviously, he comes back with a full regular training camp um, as the very clear-cut wide receiver one, with all due respect to Adam Thielen. I think this is, this is, you're looking at Justin Jefferson and he has up and he's can take, and I think will take a step forward. Uh, Very excited about rostering him next season, Jamie. And one of the best things about this too, is that the presence of Adam Thielen doesn't let defenses just take him away. Like it doesn't, it will not give them that opportunity because if they do, you're going to have Adam Thielen go out for like eight, one thirty-three, and four and three touchdowns. Like, so he is just, Jefferson was always a tremendous talent. And if he played in an offense that didn't have other superstars that were occupying outside receiver spots, he probably would have been the first or second receiver off the board. The concerns about him being slot only from, for some analysts were a big reason why he fell. I put that in air quotes to 22 um, for the Stefan yeah. Diggs pick they ended up getting from back from Buffalo. He's just a trem- Everything he does is tremendous. I mean, he was, if we took position scarcity, 
out of the rookie of the year conversation, it's Justin Jefferson. There was no player better at his particular position in the NFL this year on offense than Justin Jefferson. Period. End of story. Herbert's going to be rookie of the year. Deservedly so. Quarterback's a lot harder. But Justin Jefferson was the best player relative to his position in the NFL this year as a rookie. Uh, for a rookie. Jamie, can you tell me again who's going to be the rookie of the year? Justin Herbert. That's all. Oh, yeah, it's so nice to hear. It's, those, those of you who pay attention to my Twitter account will understand <laughs> why I'm making him do that. Yes, Chris. I have a question for Jamie. Did okay, you have any on. concern going to Vikings in this spot? Because in your no, previous I, round, you I, took Dalvin Cook, and now you took Justin you Jefferson, so you have two Vikings now. I'm so glad you brought this up, Chris. I knew every once in a while, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut and you're useful. I don't have, so there's this men, the, these mental games that happen in fantasy that I think it just is a detriment and just adds a lot of stress to people's lives that don't need to be there. I don't care. Now, I don't want to have like seven Vikings or whatever, or seven chiefs or whatever combination you want to have, but I don't think you don't knock a player down because they're on the same team. You draft a player as if they're independent of each other. And don't worry about bye weeks. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Your roster is going to change so much between now and like week 12. Sure. You can't even worry about that. I, I don't care that I have, I took somebody in the first round from the Vikings and have a second round pick from the Vikings. I don't care when we get into season that, well, my opponent has this quarterback. So should I bench his receiver? Or do I need to start this receiver that you have ranked 10 spots lower to discount what his quarterback can do? you don't play no. these mental gymnastics games. Your goal is to draft and field the best possible team that you think will score the most fantasy points for you. You would actually do a lot better to never look at who your opponent is playing. Just never look at that uh, because there's no, the only time that comes into play is when games have already been played and you're like focused on like Monday night football. All right, I need to win this match. That's the only time where that can come into consideration. But prior to a week starting, you can't do that. In this case, I don't worry about it. You know, there's a point where you don't want to have too many guys on the same team because you've run into some bye week issues. You also run into how many guys can be productive at the same time. However, I would not, I'm not going to downgrade a player just because I, in the second round in particular, just because I took somebody in the first round of that team. Like, I, I don't yep. think that would hurt you. Like, if you took Travis Kelsey and, and Tyree Kill last year, you were probably pretty happy with what happened. Like, I'm envisioning sore Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Like, there are plenty of yes. examples of that. I get you don't want an entire roster of one team, but um, well, good question, Chris. Nonetheless, good question because it does come up in it, it fantasy. It comes up a lot. It comes up quite often. Uh, okay, we've reached the end of the mock. We've gone all the way through the second round of Janie's mock draft, as we mentioned at the top and a couple times throughout. If you guys want to check this out, go to the draftnetwork.com. Look under the fantasy tab. It is the first thing there. Or go to the Google machine, as my dad so eloquently calls it, Plato. He calls the, the Google machine. Yes, that is a real thing that he thinks exists. And type in 2021 fantasy football mock draft. I can assure you it will be in the top slot. Jamie, final thoughts on today's podcast. Uh, this is, I hope this generates some debate and some thought. Again, as my disclaimer, as I will always say, this is what I would do. I'm not telling you what to do. And obviously nobody has to do anything right now because it's freaking January. But um, this is a good thought exercise for everybody. And a reminder that every Tuesday from now through the Tuesday after the Super Bowl, I'm adding another round. So round three is already up on the site right now. We will break it down a bit next week as well. Uh, but round four is coming. Uh, it'll be there. And by the way, there'll be some appearances for some rookies. 
that make his way to round four. I haven't written it yet, but I think there might be a rookie or two that sneaks their way into round four, oh. uh, which is going to be fascinating to think about because we don't even know where these guys are going to go yet. Uh, but there's always going to be some rookies to start to pay attention to. And uh, I, I love all the feedback, but positive, negative. This is supposed to be a thought exercise and everybody's going to have their own rankings, their own opinion, their own thoughts. I hope this helps you in that process. Um, you know, I don't expect anybody to just, just grab this and go, this is gospel. Like it's not. It's opinion, and I give you an ex- explanation. And what I like about this one is that I'm going to break down every one of these picks. I believe there's going to end up being 84 total picks by the time this project stops the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. You're going to have 84 pieces of information that are broken down as to why I made these choices and what my thought process was. That can help you in your analysis as you start to rank your players and go, okay, I like this point, but I disagree. Or I don't like this point. I don't think this applies. And you can use all of this information just as you were in the Eisner board last offseason with my projections, giving you as much information as you could possibly have to make the best decisions. And again, I just encourage you to get somewhere, whether it's a notebook, whether it's a notes app, whether it's a Google Doc, something, jot down a lot of these thoughts on some of these key players now before you forget because a lot of time passes, even and, and it feels like even longer in this COVID world uh, between yeah. now and the start of fantasy season next year. A lot's going to happen. You're going to forget about certain things you're going to feel. You might forget about what, D, especially if you didn't have some of these players, like you might forget about the second half of the season DK Metcalf had and just know his talent and what he did in the first half. You might forget how good DeAndre Swift was when he was finally given the opportunity and they started to slowly phase Adrian Peterson out of the game plan relatively. You might forget that. That's information you can write down now and have at your disposal, which will help you and get, let you do even more research on even more players when you get to the summer. All right, guys, my final thoughts here are please check out the Fantasy Football Mock Draft. Please tweet at Jamie, not me, only Jamie, at Jamie Eisner with all of your hate mail because I did not make any of these picks. So I'm not going to fight with you. In fact, I'm just going to default to agreeing with Jamie. So it'll be the opposite because you'll just be yelling at an echo chamber. So please feel free to tweet at Jamie Eisner so you can argue with him about all these picks. And as he said, he's going to be dropping new rounds week after week, which is really fun for us to be able to revisit um, on this podcast. Be sure to check out our betting show that we will have on Friday afternoon. That is going to give you all of the breakdown for all of the divisional round matchups that are happening this upcoming weekend in the NFL We're going to give you some player props. You're going to be able to check all that out this weekend. So Friday on social, on our YouTube channel, it's everywhere against the spread. Be sure to check that out. Chris, how can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me on the Twitter at shoe radio, S C H U radio. You can follow him at that's on the Twitter. You said said your dad called it the Google machine. I called it the Twitter. Trust me. All everything is the Facebook, the Twitter. They're all, they're all like that. They're all like that. All right, Jamie, how can everybody follow you? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner. You can also, if you follow me there, you will see the TDN against the spread show tweeted out. And I also encourage you to bookmark the fantasy mock draft page because I'm updating that exact page. Uh, These are not all in different spots. I figure it's easier for everybody to have one source for it. So if you want to bookmark that page at the draftnetwork.com, come back every Tuesday, you will have a brand 12 brand new picks that you can be mad at me about. Yeah, 12 brand new picks to angrily tweet at him about. You guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on both Twitter and Instagram as well. Check out everything we are all producing at thedraftnetwork.com. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.